Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts, Jordana Osman, here with my friend, Chavruta Ann Gordon. Our DAP today, Masachar Chagiga, DAP Tetva, page 15. Well, Ann and I are frustrated today. Why, you might ask? Because <laughs> we really just want to read the whole DAP today, and we cannot read the whole DAP today. And so we started having a discussion. Maybe we should do, I don't know, some online Zoom shiurim where we go back to some of these DAPIM where we learn the whole DAP. So I guess, learners, I'm throwing this out to you. If you have a particular DAP that you feel like you want to learn the whole thing with us, let us know because we're considering this. And this is one of those DAPs. <laughs> so uh, I'm actually going to start on the page before. You may have noticed if you listened to yesterday's podcast on Yudalit, I did not discuss the story of Pardes, which seems very weird because how could you do that DAP and not discuss the story of Pardes? It's well, certainly something that you would want to discuss. Right. So we made an editorial decision because we felt it was really related to the material in today's DAP. So now we made it even more impossible for ourselves because not only do we want to read all of DAP Tetvav, we even now have to read part of Yudalad. But let me not waste any more time and I will just get right to it. And this is really probably one of the most famous Brysas. Um, I will, in sort of full disclosure, uh, you know, say that this actually, um, and anyone, I know there are a couple of learners uh, who were actually at my wedding, um, that my father actually spoke about this Brysa at our wedding. So uh, I, this Brysa has always had a very special place in my heart. Um, and uh, it reads as follows. So there were four who entered the Pardes, who went into the, literally what means the orchard, but is supposed to mean some type of, uh, either it's, it's Gan Eden or some type of, they went into some type of mystical state. Um, ben Azai Ubenzoma, it was Ben Azai Ubenzoma, Acher, right, who we know is Alicia Ben Abuya, who we're going to spend a lot more time talking about, the Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Akiva. Amar Lahem Rabbi Akiva, right before they go in, Rabbi Akiva says, Kisha'atem Migi'in Eitzel Agnei Shayish Tahor. When you reach near the pure marble stones, okay, Al Tamru Mayim Mayim. Do not say there is water here. There is water here. Okay. Now, first of all, what exactly do we uh, do we mean by this? So again, we could spend a lot of time just sort of understanding what this particular um, uh, Mishnah, sorry, this Bryce is talking about. Um, some of the Mepharshim explained that maybe these were sort of, he's describing here some type of wall, the walls that were actually in like sort of, uh, you know, God's inner, um, inner chambers. Or maybe the walls were, Rashi says that they were, you know, they were transparent, um, like, uh, like water. But I think what this relates to is, is that after we have just had sort of a description of the Maser Merkava, right, which is Yechezkel's prophecy of sort of a vision of what God's world looks like using human, uh, sort of, uh, let's say, human descriptors or human adjectives or the human experience of how we experience our world on earth, but now ascribing those words to sort of a heavenly or a God, you know, world. So I think that's some of what's happening here in this Brysa as well. Um, but this isn't the part that I even want to focus on. And he says, so Mishum Shinamar Dover Shikarim Lo Yichon Enav, right? And so here, what does he do? He quotes a Pasuk um, that is in uh, Tehillim uh, chapter uh Kuf Aleph, um, chapter 101, verse 7, um, which basically says, a you know, somebody who practices deceit will not dwell in my house. 
All right. And now it goes on to describe what happens to the four people who entered parties. Ben Azai hates seats by me. Ben Azai basically glanced towards, right? Presumably looks towards the divine and he basically dies. I love Akatubomer, and upon him it says, Hashem Hamata Right. So this is a pretty famous, uh, this is a pretty famous Pasuk. Um, and uh it comes from Tikilim, uh Tet Zion, uh so uh chapter 116, verse 15, right, which says difficult in the eyes of Hashem is the death of his uh devout ones, right? So he was supposed to be and, and the idea is, is that he died young and that he was a very, very pious person, right? Benzoma hates seats benifka. Benzoma glances and he becomes mentally unstable. Okay. Right. So here now they quote a Pasuk, um, also from Tehillim chapter 25, verse 16, right? That says, when you find honey, eat what is sufficient for you, lest you be lest you be satiated and vomited up. Right. So I guess the idea here is a little bit that maybe he ate too much and he uh he goes um he becomes benifgat. He's not stable anymore. Acher kitzets benitiot. Acher chopped down the saplings. Now, again, that becomes important later on. One of the braces that talks about Acher, about Elisha ben Abuya on the next stop, uh, talks about when it talks about that he sort of left and became a heretic, it describes it as he chopped down the saplings. Rabbi Akiva Yatsa Bishalom. And Rabbi Akiva emerges in peace. And so, you know, what exactly is, uh, is happening here? And so I'm going to offer my father's interpretation that he shared, uh, my father, Michael Osband. And so what he said is that essentially what this is, is when we look at the world and we see things in the world that we don't understand, things that are troubling to us, the death of young people, sickness, war, anything like that, that makes it very difficult to see, like, how does the world function this way, Right. This is essentially four different sort of responses that a person can have, right? You can have the response of, uh, uh, you can have the response of uh, Ben Azai, right? Where it basically says he died. And what we know about Ben Azai is he did not marry and he did not have children. So what Ben Azai is basically saying is, okay, I don't understand this world. It doesn't make sense to me, but I certainly know I'm not going to continue human existence in the world. It's going to be cut off with me, right? Then you can have somebody like Benzoma who becomes so overwhelmed by what he sees that he actually, it, it, it's, he can't function anymore in the world. And he's Nifka. He, he just, he, he's so mentally undone by what he sees. Then we have Acher, who basically, in the ultimate act of cynicism, right, what does he do? And again, obviously, this is somewhat a, uh, you know, a euphemism. And, and we already talked about that it means that he sort of, he left, right? But he says, right, Acher kitzets benitiot. Acher chops down the saplings, right? So this is the attitude that someone has is when you see things that you don't understand, when the world doesn't make sense to you, when the pain in the world is too much, what do you do? You turn destructive also. You just say, okay, I'm going to add to the destruction that's in the world. And then you have Rabbi Akiva, right, who says what? Who is Yatsa Bishalom. Rabbi Akiva is able to sort of leave uh, in peace. And so the question is, what is it about Rabbi Akiva, right, that allows him to sort of leave in, in peace? And I think the reason for this is that we know what Rabbi Akiva was basically like, right? We always consider that Rabbi Akiva was essentially 
sort of uh, the, I always call him, he's the eternal optimist. He always believes uh, in, 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 in hope uh, for the future. He believes that things are always going to get better. Um, and we know that Rabbi Akiva actually has a terrible ending, right? That's the Gemara and Brachos and Daf Samach Aleph, uh, Ahmed Bet that we learned previously, right? That he's really uh, uh, tortured um, um, at the end. But it's Rabbi Akiva is basically able to leave in peace because what he basically says is, is he says like, okay, he's like, I see that things are not good. I see that things are, are, are hard. Um, and, uh, and yet, and yet, what does he choose? He chooses basically a path of hope and a path of love. And that's essentially sort of the story that I think we have to look at, uh, of, of Rabbi Akiva. That's really what Rabbi Akiva, uh, you know, sort of, uh, I would say like, this is what Rabbi Akiva basically, uh, represents. And so that essentially what this story of Pardes is talking about is, it's, it's the spectrum of different human reactions that one can have, uh, you know, as we look at what's difficult in the world. And we each get to decide, essentially, what is it or who is it uh, that we want to be. And, you know, obviously, I think most of us hope that we will be like Rabbi Akiva. But I think we also know that it's hard to be Rabbi Akiva, um, that that's not always... Uh, that's not always uh, the, the easy choice. Um, and so I think that gives a little bit of context to who Acher, uh, who Acher is a little bit and, and, and that why, what was so bad about what Alicia Benabuya uh, actually did. So um, I think now we're gonna, oh, sorry. And one other thing here um, is that, uh, the other thing is that, and I forgot to mention this before, the key piece about Rabbi Akiva also is, is that there's a beautiful Gemara that talks about what his favorite pasuk is, right? And he says that what is his favorite pasuk? His favorite pasuk is kamocha, that it's Rabbi Akiva who basically chooses love. Like that's the key thing about Rabbi Akiva. If you're a person who chooses love, if you choose to respect other people, you will come out of whatever it is that you see in the world. You'll come out of it with love. You'll come out of it okay. You that Those are the types of people who come out bishalom. So I want to talk about Alicia Ben Avuya, and as he comes to be called Acher, meaning other, right, um, on Daf Tedvav. But I, I can't not respond, right, to to the Brita about the Pardes, because of course, because this is such a seminal key Brita. Um, I want to note that in the context of Masa Merkava, right, that we talked about in the past few days, and even Masa Breshi, right, like. So I, I think, Yardin, I think that your father, Allah Fashalom, has um, a really beautiful interpretation here about that applies to other different kinds of learning, not just the most esoteric, metaphysical, Merkava type of thing. And I, I think that that's a very powerful interpretation of the reactions of these four. But I also want to note that the lesson that we saw about Merkava, meaning... If you're going to study these things, you need to be these things, meaning metaphysics, not just everything hard that could be hard in the world. Right. It's, um, when bad things happen to good people and that kind of thing. Right. But but when we're talking about the metaphysics side of things, so not everybody comes through unscathed. And there is a challenge then to know yourself enough to know, are you going to be, you know, a Ben Azai, a Ben Zoma? an Acher or a Rabbi Kiva in, in approaching the material to begin with. Meaning I think we all would, you know, kind of intuitively identify with Rabbi Kiva, first of all, because, you know, he's our hero and we know him, but also because 
we would never think who thinks of themselves as the person who will be, you know, made depressed or cynical or or lose their mind or whatever it's going to be through simply through intellectual or spiritual inquiry. And I think that this is like a, a really hard object lesson that even amongst the greats, you know, people didn't necessarily come through unscathed. And so then the the lesson of know yourself and know to what extent you should engage in these esoteric um difficult things to understand and whether that means Kabbalah for you, meaning it might, it might mean different things nowadays for different people, you know, regardless of what these four themselves actually studied, people need to know when to put the brakes on. And, you know, I think that part of what the, the contrast between Acher and Rabbi Akiva in particular um, shows also, you know, to what extent is there a commitment, an ongoing commitment, let's say to Torah, to mitzvah, to the observance of Halacha. And I feel like it, it may be a little bit quaint in this day and age, but if you know that something is going to put you off of your observance, like Acher was put off of his, of his observance, then maybe avoid it because maybe you're not Rebbe Giva. And that's like a, a real sharp musr, right? Like an ethical point to people of, you know, how they're going to conduct themselves. But I think that the at the end of the day, to recognize that knowledge is not, knowledge, information, everything like that is not um, innocuous or it's not inherently innocuous. And the fact that there could be risk involved, the risk is most often to one's faith or to one's, you know, sense of self in the context of everything else. So that's my uh, comment on I, that. I think I that's think. another wonderful take on that brisa as well. You know, and I think that's why this is such a powerful brisa. And we didn't even get into the mystical and Kabbalistic <laughs> ones. But I think this brisa is, again, you know, the real contrast is between Acher and Rabbi Akiva. And, uh, you know, we continue to build upon, like, why Rabbi Akiva is who he is and why he's beloved the way that he is. But now let's get to Acher. Let's get okay. to so, so let's let's recognize that Acher is a Tana, right? That's the, his, He's in this generation. His name originally was Alicia Benavuya. If you would like to read a fictional narrative version of his, the story of his life, and it is fictional, you know, even if it is also based, rooted in the Gemara, uh, I re- highly recommend Milton Steinberg's As a Driven Leaf. Um, it it only goes so far, right? Meaning it's not an actual movie of Alicia Benavuya's life because it's a fictional um, approach, you know, decades upon decades later um, and may even have Milton Steinberg's own imprimatur on the, on the story that he's telling. But in any case, the Gemaras are presented there in fictionalized narrative form. And it is also like a very... Um, it brings it to life in a way that, I mean, I think this daf comes to life if you read all the words, but in any case, recommend it. Alicia bin Avuya's story as how he becomes Acher, meaning how he loses his faith, is not on this daf, meaning most of the Gemara's or many of the Gemara's about who he was as Acher in his apostasy, there are, you know, many of them are on this daf. His fall from faith, let's call it, is not here, except for the discussion of Pardes on the previous stuff. And we will discuss it when we get to it, right? Meaning it's um, it's also its own good story. But in the interest of time, you know, hold the why. You know, weird, how did he lose his faith? Hold that question in abeyance for now and understand that once he did, so the Gemara says as follows. Amar ho'il v'itrin ha'hu gavra alma alma. So at the time that Alicia Benavuya, um, he says, since that man, meaning himself, was banished from the world, right? So he says, well, then I'm going to go out 
by um, I'm going to go out and enjoy, you know, take pleasure in the world, meaning he's been ba- banished from his world of rabbis and everything. Nafik achar ra'ah. He went after uh, a bad culture, right? I mean, he, he's going in the to a bad society. Nafik ishkach zona tiva'a. Right, so he goes and he finds a prostitute and he sleeps with her. Amrale, he she says to him, Velav Alisha Benavuyat, meaning, aren't you the rabbi, Alisha Benavuya? Are you really the person who's now come to a prostitute? Akar Pugla Mimisram Bishabat Vyavla Amra Acherhu. So what happens? He pulls a radish from, you know, like some radishes that are growing on Shabbos, and he gives it to her, meaning this is his proof that he's not keeping Shabbat. He's no longer observing Torah. He's no longer the big rabbi that she's assuming he is. And she says, aha, he's acher, meaning he's another. He's no longer the Alicia Benavuya that we knew him to be, but rather he is changed, and that is acher. And then that is how the Gemara refers to him in most contexts, right? Because, because they still talk to him, or maybe not, but they talk about him. And then, so we're going to come to the... Please read the whole daf. Your Dana, it's so sad. It's so sad. <laughs> it's, I, we want to read all of this text because it is very rich and very telling, I think, about how the how Chazal related to the, you know, the biggest fall from grace that they know. Right. He is a huge Torah scholar, you know, as however you want to call that. And and then he really denies everything. And so there's a great deal to talk about from Chazal's perspective. You know, who is this person? So the point that we like the best, perhaps, is um, so because I'm skipping, even though I don't want to. So the Gemara gives us a story about Acher. He has already become an apostate and he is riding on a horse. He is riding on a horse on Shabbat. And Rabbi Me- I'm sorry. And and Vahaya Rabbi Meir Mahalech Acharav, and Rabbi Meir is walking after him, meaning he's keeping Shabbat, right? He's walking, and he wants to learn Torah. Torah He wants to learn Torah from Acher because again, Acher was this very sharp, incisive, knowledgeable Torah scholar. So Rabbi Meir wants to learn from him, and then after a while, Amarlo Meir Chazor Lachorecha. He says to him, you have to go back. Right? What does it mean you have to go back? He says, I measured it. I know already, you know, how far on my horse was going to take us to Tchum Shabbat. The, we all know about Tchum Shabbat from Erevin, right? How far they could go, that 2,000 mil. So, so Rabbi Meir says to him, you also turn around. Meaning, turn around here, meaning go do tshuva, right? It's a more loaded comment. Not just not just is Acher looking out for Rabbi Meir's observance of Shabbat, but Rabbi Meir is looking out for Acher's observance of Torah altogether. So um, Alicia Benavuya says to Rabbi Meir, have I not already told you that I've heard the following from Pargod always means like from from on high, right? Like some insight into the way God is running the world from the from the verse Shuvu Vanim Shovavim, rebellious children. You know, you can return except for Acher. 
meaning everybody else gets to do tshuva, and for Acher, there is no return. So it, it's kind of a poignant statement from, from Alicia Benavuya, right? Meaning it's as if he's saying, I would if I could, but I already know that it's not even going to count in my favor if I were to do so. So then, and I'm now going to read, I'm not going to read this, I'm going to, you know, narrate this outside of the daf, right? Rabbi Meir takes him and brings him to the Beit Midrash, to many Bate Midrash, to 13 Bate Midrash. And each time he, you know, says, Acher says to a child, um, you know, tell me one of the verses or tell me a verse that you studied. And each time he says, um, here's the verse, Ein shalom Hashem there's no peace for the wicked. That's a verse from Yeshayahu. Right, and then the next verse is from Yirmiyahu, and the next verse is from Yirmiyahu. Meaning, each place he goes, the child recites a verse that seems very pointed against Acher. I mean, it's right? like and that, a horror film ad. Like you can picture the movie version of this, right? Like every room he, every encounter he has, you know, it's like an indictment of who he is and the choices he made. It re- it's really true. And then the last one. This is the saddest, I think. It says here, "Hahu yenoka hava megam game belishne." There's a the he comes to a child, and the child has a stutter, and the verse is going to be "vilarasha," right, to the wicked person. But because the child has a stutter, it says "ishtema kamed amarle uvla alisha amar elokim." Right, instead of saying to the wicked person, because the child is whatever. I don't want to. I'm not trying to mock anybody. Who stutters, God forbid, or this child, but in the manner of his speech impediment, the word from the verse seemed to be recast to be Alicia, and that God has it in for Alicia. And you can only imagine Alicia Benavuya's ears hearing this, you know. And then the the Gemara says, you know, either he had a knife with him and he then chopped the child up, or more likely he says, you know, if I had had a knife, I would you know, attack, right? Because the idea here is that there's such a personal directed insult here. Um, and all of this, I think, is, you know, it, it's a really interesting question. Like, first of all, what does Rebbe Mayer think he's doing? And I think the, I think what he really thinks he's doing is that there's going to be some redemption somewhere along the way. And the fact that it never comes must have been very distressing to Rebbe Mayer. Um, and of course, obviously very distressing to Alicia Benavuya because he keeps getting this same negative answer right um and that's i i mean i think the most part part of the most profound business here is this dynamic between the two of them rabbi Meir, who we know is a talmud of rabbi akiva right was also a talmud of alicia benavuya and he's not willing to relinquish that dynamic even after his beloved teacher has has left the fold so to speak well, well not just go to speak he really left the fold can i tie this back to rabbi akiva I mean, sure. This whole, this whole scene of, you know, uh, of this, you know, where Acher is on the horse on Shabbat and Rabbi Mayer is basically Mahalik Acherab Torah right? So also you need a little bit of a context about Rabbi Mayer. Rabbi Mayer is one of Rabbi Akiva's five students after all of Rabbi Akiva's students die, right, in that plague, right? That's how we get to Lagba Omer, right? And so Rabbi Mayer is one of those new, one of those new students. And in a way, again, going back to what we just said about Rabbi Akiva before, right, or at least my interpretation, my, you know, the interpretation I said of that Brisa, the Rabbi Akiva is the person who chooses basically, he chooses never to be cynical. And we see this exemplified in his student of Rabbi Meir, right? What is like, 
the most, this is the biggest way that you could show is here's Rebbe Mayer has a, 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 you know, he, he will walk alongside his, you know, teacher who's on a horse, but hold on Shabbat. But he's like, fine, I'm just going to walk. And then I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to be Machal Shabbat. And then they get to the Tehum and even Acher can't bring himself to let him break Shabbat, right? He has to remind him and say, you're almost at the Tehum. You're almost at the Shabbat boundary. And so, like, I don't know. I just think it's, like, not in it, it, this whole story. This, to me, is the most powerful part of the story, you know, because it, it, it's that that Rabbi Mayer still embraces him. And I think that's the piece that he learns from Rabbi Akiva. Um, I think it's, you know, very... I, I don't know whether it comes from Rabbi Akiva or if it's also maybe just something in Rabbi Mayer himself, Right, the the piece of the Gemara that I didn't get to yet, and which I'm also not going to read inside. In the interest of time, I hate time right now. Everybody should read it inside. Is several different examples of how Rebbe Mayer is explains how he is able to continue to learn from Acher, meaning Alicia Benavuya, right? Meaning, who? How could you still stay connected to this? apostate. He's a heretic. He's, you know, a kofar ba'ikar. He has denied the, the fundamentals of Torah, right? And so there's an example of a date and there's an example of a pomegranate and so on, right? Meaning all of these fruits that are holy Israel fruits, right? Where he says, you know, he is eating the fruit and leaving, you know, on the one hand, leaving the the the, the shell or the peel or the pit or in the pomegranate, right? He's leaving the, he's able to eat the fruit and leave the rest. And and that's, I think, the point exactly, right? That and and Luya here. If only we, all of us, could manage this kind of, as you say, your Dana, you know, if we could manage this kind of dynamic with all the people we know, to leave the parts of them that are the not good, right? The everybody's got not good, right? And to keep the parts that are the good, because everybody's just about got good, right? So that's exactly this story of when he says straight up, that he, you know, kept learning halacha, no less, from Acher, how could he learn halacha from somebody who is no longer even believing in halacha, and Rabbi Meir says exactly this, that he, he says, you know, I will eat the fruit and throw away the peel, you know, and, and that I feel like, um, I think that's the crux of it, right, whether it's, you know, I, I, we don't see a dynamic here between Rabbi Akiva and Alicia ben who certainly, they knew each other, right, they all studied, in, they all did the Pardes excursion together, but Rabbi Meir is able to, to sift, right, and I think that sifting is, is huge, and I think that Lahavdil, and I don't really want to talk about this right now, but it's just I, so much in my face, right, the phenomenon of cancel culture, right, is the opposite of Rabbi Meir here. Rabbi Meir is saying, I know there is good to be learned from him and I'm not shutting him off. I'm not canceling him because of who has become as being Acher because he still also got that Alicia Benavuya in him and from him I will learn. I think it's a really important lesson in you know human interpersonal dynamic. I think you're 100% right about that. I mean, that's essentially what the story is here to teach us about is like we don't cancel anything even the Acher, even the person who has maybe committed or left in the most terrible way, we just don't cancel them, right? I hate using sort of no modern terms here, but you know, everybody has something that they can contribute and we, we can learn something from everybody. 
man, we need to do this daf again. I don't know what else to say. There's so much. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a rich daf. And it's such a rich daf exactly because it's the the crux of faith, right? To what extent do people maintain faith? To what extent do people have, you know, feel that they have no choice but to give it up? What do you do if you have left the fold? It, it's very rich. It's a very, you know, the the essence of what it means to be Jewish and observant in any way whatever your level of observance it's it, it pinpoints that that discussion on this stuff and i just want to say one more thing i mean this is also this type of death which shows you how incredible the gemara is like there is no whitewashing here like they're willing to put in all different aspects of this story of alicia benabuya on this stuff his relationship with rabbi mayer um it's not just you know the fact that rabbi mayer says he can still learn from him it's not just an attempt to be like, this is why he was so bad and we should all hate him. That's really not what this staff does. Like there's something sympathetic about the portrayal here. Oh, for sure. And when he tells Rabbi Mayer to, that he has to turn around and go back, right? This is, again, Lahav deal. But this is how, you know, I feel like in the modern day equivalent is how, you know, would you eat in somebody's house if they don't keep kosher or if they don't keep the same kosher that you do? And I think the answer is, well, but they'll tell you you can't eat that. That's not kosher for you. Meaning Alicia Benavuya is here acknowledging that Rebbe Mayer has a standard that he's going to help him keep. Yeah, exactly. Well, I don't even know how we can like wrap this one up. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do it. That's our DAF discussion for the day. Thank you for joining us. Rank us, review us where you get your podcast. Come talk to us about what you think about this very special daf on our Facebook page and any other way that you can reach us. Thank you to Rabbi Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. And until tomorrow, go and learn.